Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the pastors on staff and we are so glad that you are here with us for the second part of our series, My Story. Now, Trent last week did an amazing job of kicking us off for this series and introducing us to an idea uh, or concept that we all have lives that tell a story. And so our lives are made up of decisions that tell a story. So everyone has a story because we say things like, you know, hey, you, you know, let me tell you about that time where I did something really, really stupid, or let me tell you about the time where, you know, I made that decision and I accomplished something great, or let me tell you about that time that, you know, I did something that wasn't so great and where that took me. And so everyone has a story because we've all made some kind of decision in our lives. And some of the decisions that we make are positive and they take us to places where we want to go. And some of the decisions that we make are negative and they take us to places that we don't want to go. Now, a number of years ago, I made a decision that seemed insignificant at the time, but then ended up being very life-changing for me. So let me share this with you. So uh, the third year of my uh, year in college, I made a decision to go and study every Sunday night and Monday night in the library to kind of make sure I got you know, a good foothold on my studying. And so every Sunday and Monday night, you know, for the most part, I was there. And so one night I go into the section that I'm studying in at my college in the library, and I notice on the other side, the other section of that side of the section I was in, uh, this girl, this girl that I had been talking to. And I'm thinking, man, there's that hot babe, you know? So... I start studying that night, and then I'm like, man, I'm coming back next week, you know, for sure. And so sure enough, I come back next week, and she's there. And so I'm like, this is great. So every week, I keep going back, and when I'm there, she's there, and so this is awesome. And every time she got up to go do something, I just happened to get up too, and I happened to accidentally run into her. And so it was working out great. In fact, every week, I was kind of taking my study cubicle, and she's down there, and so I just start like moving a few study cubicles down. And the really cool thing is that she was doing the same thing. And so eventually we were like sitting almost literally next to each other. And eventually we started dating and eventually we got married. So yeah. So the moral of the story is if you want really good grades and you want to meet the woman of your dreams, go to the library and study. All right. So just some free advice for you on that. But anyways, Isn't it amazing how what seemed like such an insignificant decision really changed my life and my story? Now, for some of us, we, you know, make decisions in life that take us in directions that aren't so good. And we all make decisions that end up not really leading into something that's very good. So check this out. So don't get cable, okay? Uh, Sorry if you work for Bright House, but, you know, it's amazing how powerful our decisions can be. And last week, Trent introduced this concept that the decisions that we make today will determine um, the stories that we will tell tomorrow. And so last week, we also learned from um, Trent that God desires that we have stories that are worth telling. And last week, he challenged us with making major decisions in our lives that maybe we've been facing for a long time. So some of you made a decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus last week. And others of you made a decision to get baptized this year. 
And some of you made a decision to apply for the mission trip this year. And others of you made decisions to jump into our small group environments. And then a lot of you made decisions that you know that God has been putting on your heart and you said, I'm going to step up and I'm gonna trust God and I'm going to move on faith to start fulfilling this decision. So way to go on doing that last week. Now today I wanna talk about a decision that is life uh, changing. Now, I'm not talking about like a major decision. Today, I wanna talk about one of those decisions that adds up over time. And when you make this decision, it helps us to keep on track into becoming the people that we want to become into becoming the people that God wants us to become. So I need your participation, all right? Real easy here. By a raise of hands, how many of you have ever thought about making a New Year's resolution? All right, yeah, I know a bunch of you have. Some of you are like, I'm not sure if I'm gonna raise my hand. Go ahead and raise them, you're okay, all right? Now, let me ask you this question. By a raise of hands, how many have like set out to actually do that New Year's resolution and then failed? Yep, yep, all right, there you go. You get one more bold, that's good. All right, and then here's my final question for you. How many of you have like said, I'm never gonna make a New Year's resolution because I know I'm gonna fail? Yeah, there we go, you know, the majority of us. So what is that, you know? What is that that's in us that, you know, we have the good intentions of setting out to do something good in our lives, but yet we don't follow through, you know? So for many of us, we, we would agree that, man, it would be great to get into good health, you know, to eat better, to exercise, uh, maybe to become a better spouse, a better parent. And uh, yet for some reason, we don't follow through. And we make a, some kind of excuses to like, you know, explain away the gap that is in our life. And we make excuses like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's no big deal. You know, I just didn't have time for it. Don't we make those types of excuses all the time? And the reason we make those excuses is to cover up the gap that exists, the gap of knowing what we should be doing and what we, we are really doing. And so let me throw this definition of a gap out to you. So a gap is the space between who we want to be and who we are. Let me say that again. A gap is the difference or the space between who we want to be and who we are. And we all have gaps in our life. And here's what happens with gaps, okay? We think we can explain them away or excuse them away, but they always are there. They never go away. And eventually we have to face them. So about six months ago, I had to face a gap in my own life. So about a year ago, or just over a year ago, my mother had a heart attack, okay? Now it wasn't major, there was no heart damage, so it was good and everything. But you know, when something like that happens, how more information kind of comes out at that time. So what I knew was that her dad, my grandfather, had died of a heart attack at the age of 67. But what I did not know is that he had had five heart attacks, okay? So I'm thinking that's not good. And then my dad, several years ago, developed type two diabetes. And then my brother, um, about two years ago, who's four years older than me, developed type two diabetes as well. So I'm thinking, okay, one side I've got heart disease, the other side prone to developing type two diabetes. This is not good, all right? So let me go to the doctor. Now, when I get to the doctor's office, the first thing they do is take your blood pressure. And my blood pressure is 157 over 89. And that is not good if you're in the medical profession. All right. So as I'm talking to the doctor, I tell him some other symptoms I'm experiencing. And he's like, that's not good. So what I'm going to do, I say, you know, doc, shoot straight with me. 
And he says, okay, here it comes. You need to lose weight. You need to reduce the sodium in your diet and go on a new diet from now on for the rest of your life because of your family history. And you need to start exercising. And by the way, I'm going to send you in for a stress test. I'm going to do a bunch of blood work for you. Now, I go through all of that, and the doctor says to me, you know, great job. Hey, here's your results. You did great, okay? You passed all of your tests, okay? So way to go on that. And I lost 20 pounds. I've been able to keep off the 20 pounds for the last four months, which has been awesome. And I've been feeling better. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, But there's still some work to help, you know, reduce this gap that's in my life. And so there's some things I need to do from the doctor still. And there's some things that I need to do with God because he also said, hey, what's stressing you out? And so that sent me on a journey to figure out with God what's stressing me out because that's a large part of what's happening with my blood pressure. And so as I started to do the work and I started to you know, meet with God, I found some things that were going on within my life. And I wanted to share with you a couple of things that I've learned in this process of closing the gap because we all have gaps in our lives. And so this is what I want to share with you at first, and then we're going to unpack the second thing that I learned as well. So the first thing is I read um, a book from a pastor who read about um, a keystone habit in your life. Now, let me tell you what a keystone habit is, okay? A keystone habit is having a kind of like a master habit in your life. If you do this habit, it will create positive momentum to help with the other positive habits that are in your life. So the uh, you know, habit that I chose was to start walking as the first thing that I do in the morning um, to begin this keystone habit to help with all these other habits that are in my life. So I walk about five times a week, and in the morning, this is what happens when I practice this keystone habit. And, you know, I'm not a morning person, okay? When Sarah and I got married, she's like, why are you so mad at me in the morning, okay? So... I just don't talk in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I can stay up all night, but you know, morning, that is tough, all right? So (laughs) it's a real chore. But here's what I found as I've practiced this keystone habit. So as I've practiced this, um, what I find is that I talk to God as I'm on my walk. And I start to talk to him about the things that are heavy on my heart. And then I listen to worship music, which is filled of God's truth and communicating to me what I need to hear that morning and listening to him and hearing from him as well. And then when I get back, I get ready. And then I spend some time reading my Bible. And then I take my blood pressure because it's a reminder of what I need to be eating that day. And it helps me to remember that I've got to keep working on this thing. And here's what's happened as I've practiced this keystone habit. I come out in the morning and I engage my family a whole lot better. I also go to work and I'm focused more on God. I'm focused on uh, interacting with the difficulties of that day much better. And so the gap in my life begins to decrease and it gets a little bit better as I've practiced this keystone habit. Now, I think all of us should have a keystone habit. But then I think there's one more thing that we all should practice this one discipline. And this discipline has been vital in my life. And it's been vital in this season of my life. And it's a discipline that God wants you to have. And it's a discipline that he wants everyone to have. And so today we're gonna check out this discipline that God wants us to have and make a decision about it. And we're gonna see how this discipline can help to change our stories into the stories that we want to have and into the stories that God wants us to have. So today we're gonna turn to a section of the Bible that we don't often turn to. I want you to turn, if you have a Bible or a smartphone device, to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse one. 
If you don't have a Bible, feel free to always be able to get up at this point in the service, grab a Bible from the back. That's totally fine. And if you don't have a Bible, that is our gift to you. So keep it. And that is not a problem. So go ahead and turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1. It's a little tricky. You might want to use your table of contents. So go ahead and do that. And as you turn there, it kind of let me set the scene of what's taking place at this time, all right? So the book of Chronicles does exactly what it's named for. It chronicles or it records the events that transpired around the southern kingdom, which uh, had been divided from Israel into a northern kingdom and into a southern kingdom, okay? So it split. They had a civil war and it was not good, all right? So for almost 400 years, there were 20 kings who were over the southern side of Israel or the southern kingdom called Judah. And most of them, or eventually, the kingdom actually fell to Babylon. Now, for most of the time, the people in this area, uh, they were supposed to represent God, but yet they kept turning their backs upon God as well. And so they were writing their own stories and they kept widening the gap of who they were supposed to be and who they were. And so finally, God says, hey, I'm going to warn you over and over again of this, you know, ever widening separation that's happening between you and me. I'm going to tell you about it and I'm going to warn you of what's happening. And so the people, this is what they were doing. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping other gods who were lesser and they were doing their own thing. They were even getting to the point where they were encouraging their own people to be temple prostitutes, uh, to appease these gods and everything. They were also even sacrificing their own children to these gods. And so they were doing a lot of awful things that, you know, we would say, yeah, those things are awful. And so um, the majority of the kings at the time, they allowed this to happen. And some of these kings even like led the charge in doing these things. And so at this point, when we're looking at it, God had warned them over and over again. They kept turning their backs on God. And so it seemed like there was just like no hope of this gap ever uh, disappearing in their lives with God. But God never gives up. So let's check out what's happening in 2 Chronicles 34, verse 1. And I'm going to go through this chapter kind of fast. So I'm going to read some of the verses, and then I'm going to skip over some of the verses, and then I'm going to summarize some of the verses. But you need to check out this chapter after this service today and read the entire thing. And if you're trying to keep up, here we go. We're going to keep up. All right. So 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor, David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. And so that's quite a statement about a king, uh, especially since he's the 16th king of 20 and the 16 before him had really messed up a bunch and led the people uh, in a bad way. And so not one of the other 19 kings does it say that he did not turn away from doing what was right. Some of them were good and stuff, but no one has ever had that said about them. And so we think, well, you know, how did Josiah follow God? You know, what was it? What did it for him? And, uh, you know, he must have had some help. Well, we know it wasn't from his father who had died. His father was an evil king. We know it wasn't his grandfather who had died as well. He was like the worst of the worst of all the kings. And, 
So he must have had some help. There must have been an advisor who was left over in the royal palace, left over from his great-grandfather's day, uh, Hezekiah, who did follow God and messed up only a little bit. And so there must have been this advisor who had made a decision back in the day of Hezekiah to follow God. And it's amazing how his story influenced this young Josiah who was coming into power and learning how to be a king. And so it just reminds us of our theme throughout this series of we just never know the decisions that we make today, how they will uh, change our stories uh, tomorrow. And so let's continue. Verse three, during the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor, David. Then in the 12th year, he began to purify Judah and Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, the Asherah poles and the carved idols and cast images. So let's pause here, okay? So here's Josiah who's 16 years old. He begins to take action of getting rid of the spiritual sickness that had crept into the land and started to create this gap between the people and between God at the time. I mean, idols were sprouting up faster than the crops. And so Josiah decides to go on this 10-year campaign uh, to eliminate the places that were sacrificing their own children, to eliminate the temples that were leading people astray in some of these awful things. Now, we'll find this out later, but at this time, Josiah didn't know everything about God. Now, he knew some things, And he knew what was going on within his country was wrong and that it was destroying life. So what did he do? Well, he acted on what he knew. And it's amazing that Josiah takes such a decisive action to do something about it. And it just reminds me at times in our lives, how often we kind of stop and we pause Because when we take that step of faith to trust God, or when we decide to follow God, we're so hesitant at times because we feel like we have to know everything about God. I know at times in my life, uh, when God has challenged me to take a step of faith or to follow him, that I've done like the adding up of things. And I'm like, it does not calculate, God. I need you to like, you know, answer all these 20 things. But what I love about Josiah and what we're going to see in his story is that whatever he knew, he acted on and he was decisive about it. And that's an amazing trait to have. So jumping in to verse eight, in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, after he had purified the land and the temple, Josiah appointed Shaphan, son of Aziliah, Messiah, the governor of Jerusalem, I would like to pronounce those things, and Joah, son of Joaz, the royal historian, to repair the temple of the Lord, his God. So what's going on here? Well, let me tell you the importance. So here's what's going on. God had established a temple to remind the people physically that he was present with them. And at times he inhabited the temple. But at this time in Josiah's day, the temple had been used to worship these idols, these other gods. And it also hosted some of these awful things that were being done. So after his 10 years of going around and cleaning up the entire country, he focuses on what should have been the most important place for the people. You would think if there's one place that it didn't touch, it would have been the temple, but yet they had made the temple a mess. So he decides to restore the temple. Now that reminds me of when I started going through my health problems, you know, yeah, I needed to work on a lot of things that to make me healthy. 
You know, I needed to lose weight. I needed to start eating right. You know, I needed to do some things to manage my stress. But I also needed to address the rest of the gap. And the rest of the gap for me was, man, what is it? What is the heart of this issue? And here's what I found. The heart of the issue is that I wasn't trusting God in the things that came up during my day. I wasn't asking him for help. And so it was a good reminder that I was not trusting God in this area that the gap had been exposed in my life. So don't answer this out loud, but let me ask you the question. What is your gap? What is the biggest gap in your life? What is the gap that you know you should be something, but yet you're being satisfied with being here instead? What is that? Do you wish to be like a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better spouse, a better Christ follower, but for some reason, you're just not following through? What is the gap? What is it? And what is the step that you need to take? Now, what we're going to uncover here are the steps that Josiah took, and it is a great example for us. So you are going to want to really listen up because he's going to show us how he began to address his own gap in his life. So let's continue on, and we're going to see this unfold, and then it's going to unfold for the rest of the time. So picking up in verse 14, while they were bringing out the money collected to fix the Lord's temple... Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses, the first five books of our Bible. So Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and Shaphan took the scroll to the king and reported, your officials are doing everything they were assigned to do. The money that was collected to repair the temple of the Lord has been turned over to the supervisors and workmen. And Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king, and when the king heard what was written in it, the, in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, let me unpack this. Why did he get this reaction? Okay. So they literally found what was the known Bible at that time. It was the first five books of the Bible. That's all they had uh, at that point in life. And it had gone missing for years and years in the palace and in the temple as well. And so the court secretary begins to read the Bible to King Josiah. And it just happens, the place that he begins to read is about the section of how the king is supposed to lead his roles and responsibilities with the people and from God. And so as Josiah hears this, he comes face to face with his gap. And he recognizes that he's not doing these things. And in that day, if you wanted to show remorse or you wanted to show like how regretful you were and what was going on the inside, you would tear part of your clothes to show, man, this is what I'm experiencing. And so this is an amazing statement that Josiah makes with his actions, okay? He comes face to face with his gap, all right? He doesn't run and hide. He doesn't make excuses. Instead, he begins this new discipline, this new discipline of reading God's word. And he comes face to face with the gap that is in his own life and he admits to it. 
He says he's made a mistake and he takes hold of this thing and says, I'm going to start doing something about it. And in the next couple sections, I'm gonna summarize for you. I love the action that he takes, okay? So this is what happens in the next couple sections in this chapter. So he huddles up his guys. He says, guys, come here, all right? I want you to do an audit. I want you to do an assessment of God's word. And I want you to show me where we're falling short, okay? So guys, go, break, you know? So they go out and they start to study God's word. And they also hear about this woman who like walks with God, who just has this amazing walk with God. So they go and consult her. And she says, hey, I have a message for the king directly from God. And so they go back to the king and say, king, you're right, all right? Things are bad. And we ran into this woman and she's got a message for you. And this is what she says. She says that God was impressed with your remorse and your repentance. Now that woman wasn't in the palace. Okay, God is impressed with your response. And he's also impressed with that you're going to start addressing the gap that is in your life. But king, your people, whoa, watch out. They're still in trouble. And so this is what I love about Josiah. This is what he does. He says, guys, huddle up. I've got a plan. This is what we're going to do. Because as I've been doing this new discipline of learning God's word and what he has written for us, We're going to do something. And this is what we're going to do. So let's check out what he does. So in verse 29, he says, Then the king summoned all the elders of Judea and Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, along with the priests and the Levites, all the people from the greatest to the least. I mean, this could have been thousands of people, okay? Maybe even 100,000 people or more. So there the king read to them the entire book of the covenant. Did you catch that? There, the king read to them the entire book of the covenant. Some think that it could have been all five books. Most agree that it was the one book that he had read about their relationship, what it was supposed to be with God and what his relationship was supposed to be with God. And there, the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had, found, had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant in the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all his commandments commands, laws, and decrees with all his heart and soul. And he promised to obey all the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll. I mean, what a powerful moment from this king, you know? He basically is saying this, all right? If he were here, he was saying, I have been off track. I mean, we've been off track and I'll be the first to admit, I'll be the first to admit of my wrong. And I'm gonna be the first to admit that I need to start reading God's word and what he has written to us. And today I'm going to make this declaration to all of you that I'm going to start reading God's word so that he can eliminate the gap that is in my life. And I wanna say this to all of you because I want you to hold me accountable in this. What king does that? And this is what he else does. He makes a pledge before God and he makes a pledge to his people that he's going to do this and find out about God's written word so that he can continue to be changed because he had found that his life was starting to change and he found that it was a good thing and that the gap was starting to lessen and that it was getting smaller in, within his life. And he's declaring to the people that he is going to, he's going to for the rest of his life to read God's word to become the person that God wants him to become because it had been a good thing in his life. And he says that in front of everyone. And he said that 
in front of God. What an amazing guy to take such action. And we know it's true. Check this out, all right? This is what happens. We know that he followed through because at the end of this chapter, listen to this summary. So verse 33, so Josiah removed all detestable idols from the entire land of Israel and required everyone to worship the Lord their God. And throughout the rest of his lifetime, the rest of his lifetime, they did not turn away from the Lord, the God of their ancestors. I mean, man, you know, here's a king who took multiple steps to eliminate the gap that was in his own life. And with that decision to know God's word, he has been known for thousands and thousands and thousands of years for taking this step. And what else has happened from there? It's because he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He said, I don't know everything about God, but here we go. I'm starting to learn and I'm going to start doing this thing. I'm going to start reading his word. And because he made a decision to start reading God's word, he began to see that the gap in his life began to decrease as well. So what's the discipline that God wants for all of us? All right. Now, the discipline that God wants for all of us is to know him through reading his word, the Bible. Okay. So whether you are checking out this whole God thing, or you are a new Christ follower, or you've been walking with God for a long time, God wants us to have a story worth telling. And as you begin to get into God's word and start to read his word and allow him to speak to you, and as you listen to him, he begins to change our lives. And as you begin to read his word, he begins to change our attitudes and our minds about things. He begins to change that we want to see exactly what God wants to do. Well, he reveals a step in front of us to trust him and we trust him. Or he also reveals to us, hey, here is the heart change that I want for your life. Now, if you're like doubtful of this whole God thing, as you begin to read God's word, here's what you'll find. You'll find out more about who God is. You'll find out how much that he loves you. And then he leaves it in your court to make a decision about him. He never presses us, which is amazing. And then if you're a Christ follower, as you begin to read, you become starting to see what's most important and it's to become maybe a better husband or a better wife or a better Christ follower, or maybe it's a better spiritual seeker at this point in your life. And the gap begins to like lessen in our lives because God, we start to listen to him. We start to hear from him. We start to do the things that Josiah does and, and obey and listen and we begin to see that we're in this relationship with God because ultimately that's what God wants with us. He wants a relationship and he wants to change our stories. And it's a good thing to do that. So here's the decision for all of us today, all right? The decision that I want us to all make today is this. The decision is I decided to start reading the Bible to eliminate the gaps in my life. So let's say that together on the count of three. Let's read that together. One, two, three. I decided to start reading God's word to eliminate the gap in my life. Now, that's a daily decision, okay? Because that's a daily discipline that we need to have in our lives because over time, that's when we see the change that God brings into our lives as we continue to be in a relationship with him, as we read his word. Now, here's the hard part, okay? It's getting to read God's word in our busy lives. So 
what I want to propose to you is that's where this keystone habit comes into play. All right. So what is your keystone habit that will get you into reading God's word to help you every day to do this discipline that helps that positive forward momentum with other positive habits that are in your life? Is it like me and getting up in the morning and going for a walk and maybe listening to your headphones to be able to, you know, hear God's word and listen to the audio Bible instead? Or is it my, when you drink your cup of coffee, it's reading the Bible at the same time? Is that your keystone habit? What is your keystone habit? Is it getting in the car because you have a long commute and as soon as the radio comes on, instead your audio comes on of the Bible so that you start to hear from God and hear what he wants for your lives and find out more about him. So what is the keystone habit to help you to start reading the Bible in our lives? Now, some of you are like, hey, I'm on board, okay, but I don't know where to begin. And for some of us, if you're checking out this whole God thing, here's some suggestions. And I put it on the spiritual growth challenge that you can pick up at the Connection Center. In fact, we're going to pass out the spiritual growth challenges on your way out for everyone. And here's what I put. I put down three recommendations. So if you're checking out this whole God thing, it would be great for you to jump into starting point because there you examine God's story and you'll be able to see where your story is. And you'll be able to be around people who've been down you know, the journey a little bit further and you'll get advice from them and they'll also share their stories and you'll see exactly how they've interacted with God. And so that might be a step for you. For others of you, maybe you come like once or twice a month, okay? And that's fine. But maybe for you, you're at this point where you need to come every week to hear about the Bible and then pick up the spiritual growth challenge and begin to read the Bible plan that's on there every single day that we've provided for you. Or for others of you, maybe today's just kind of a refresher of like to re-inspire you and you haven't been doing much in your Bible reading. Well, I would encourage you to download the YouVersion app on your phone or on your computer. And they've got tons of Bible reading plans to help you carve out how much you should be reading a day. There's even challenges to read through the Bible in the entire year and help you to do that. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to start reading God's word together. And next week we are going to begin a a church-wide fast. And so I can't think of a better time to start this habit this week because next week we are going to start this church-wide fast where we're going to fast from something. And so we're going to fast from a food item or amount of food. Like my wife is pregnant with our fourth child. She'll be, you know, delivering in June, which is awesome. Uh, Well, she can't go on a fast. Yeah, thank you. So awesome. Here we go. So she can't, you know, go from a major fast. So she's going to fast from sweets, you know, because she can do that. All right. So what is it for you? What are you going to fast from? And the reason it's something about food and the Bible talks about something from food is to show that it's to draw attention from the things that we think that we need in our lives and that sustain us onto something or onto God that is our life sustainer. And so it helps us to pause to acknowledge who God is and that he is ultimately our life sustainer. And then we want you to fast for something. So maybe you're going through something right now that's really tough. Maybe you need a decision in front of you that you need an answer to, or maybe you are struggling in your marriage or your finances or something, and you need some help. And it's time to humble yourself and say, God, I need some help. 
Now, he may not answer what you're looking for, but what I, I know you'll find is that you will begin to develop this relationship with him as you read his word. Because during this fast, we want you to take extra time to get into the Bible, to hear from him, to listen to him. And so if you're wondering more about this fasting thing, at the Connection Center, we've got a few more physical copies of how to do a fast, or you can go online to help you out as well in that. Now, today I want to leave us with this, okay? So uh, you've got a card in your seat, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to grab that card. And on the card, it says, I decided to start, okay? And this is what I want us to do. We're going to listen to a music video, and during that music video, I want you to be focused on this card. And on this card, I want you to put a response of, I decided to start reading my Bible to become, and you fill in the blank. Is it a better husband? Is it a better wife? Is it a better Christ follower? Is it a better spiritual seeker? What is it for you? What is it that God's been putting on your heart of, you know what you think you want to be, but yet you're here. So what is that? And then I want you to also put down on there your keystone habit. What is it that you're going to do that helps you to begin to read God's word every single day? So what is that keystone habit? Again, is it like when you drink your coffee in the morning that you're going to read your Bible at that time? If you're on your commute, are you going to listen to God's word? What is that keystone habit that will help you to get into God's word? And then after you fill that out and we're listening to the music video, I want you just to talk to God to yourself, just like King Josiah. And I want you to declare to God, God, this is the commitment that I am making to you before you. God, I'm going to start getting to know you. I'm going to start becoming the person that you want me to become. I'm going to start with this keystone habit to get me into the word of God. And so that's what the commitment I want you to make. And after you fill out this card, after the song, I'm going to come up here and close us out in a word of prayer. And with this card, we want you to deposit it in the boxes that are in the back where the offering boxes are. Put it right in that offering box because there's a group of us that are going to be praying for you. And so you don't have to put your name on it. You can put your name on it. But we want to be praying for you this week to begin this new habit because we know how new disciplines are very hard. And then we're going to give you the spiritual growth challenge to remind you of the commitment that you made today. And so what I want you to do is grab one of those cards. If you don't have it, you know, there's not enough. Just think about what I've said and make that commitment to God. But we're going to go ahead and play the video and then I'm going to close us out in a word of prayer. So I can't wait to see what happens in your life and your stories as you begin to start this new habit. So let me pray for us, and then we'll take off. So Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for Josiah, who was a man of action, God, who started something new as soon as he came face-to-face with his very own gap in his life. And so God, you are never, never ashamed of us. And when we come to you, there's forgiveness, And there is love. And God, we get to start afresh. And so help each person here as we get to know you through your word, through your Bible, and help us to have those keystone habits in our lives to be able to do that. So Father, I just pray for each person this week as they jump into your word and help them. And we love you in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next week for the third part of our series. Yeah, starting point, that's some good stuff. And now our small group environments are about to gear up. So if you're new to Epic or you're just kind of checking out this whole God thing or maybe you've been coming for a little while and you haven't gotten into a group yet, the starting point is the place to begin. So next week, 
After each service, we're going to have an informational meeting. It's going to take about 15 minutes. It's going to be over in the teacher's lounge. If you go around the curtains on the left-hand side, you'll see a sign over there. The meeting will be in the teacher's lounge. Uh, you can get signed up or get into a group there. Or you can visit our website under the sign-up tab, and you can get signed up as well over there. We just want to get an idea about how many people are going to be in the group so we can provide uh, the appropriate facility for that. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Epic Church. My name is Chris, and I've got a couple of quick announcements for you before we continue on with our service. First of all, I would like to say if you're new with us, welcome. Uh, we have a connection center that is set up over around the curtain over there, and I invite you to pop on in after service. We'll have somebody available at the table that would be there to answer any questions that you may have. In addition, if you're a guest with us and you have kids, I want to tell you we've got some great environments that have been developed around their age, so they're age-appropriate, so they're going to be able to get God's Word um, through the specific environments that we've made for them. So we've got rooms that are for babies, and then we've got another room for two- and three-year-olds, and then we break them up into a pre-K and kindergarten, and from there they graduate over to our first through fifth grade room. And then during second service, we've got Pipeline. That is our middle school ministry. That's for grades 6, 7, and 8. And then Surge, although we don't have Surge on Sunday mornings, we do have a high school ministry called Surge, and that meets on Sunday evenings. I want you to be aware of that as well. So really, if, you know, plug your kids into these environments. Like I said, it's built specifically for them, and I think they'll have a great time there. Now, if you're new with us and you're not quite ready for your kids to get involved in that, that's okay. It's not a problem at all. You can feel free to bring your kids into service, but just know that if your kids are getting a little bit restless or something, that could be distracting for either the communicator or people around you, and we understand that. And because of that, we've created what we call our family zone. And if you go around the curtains to the left, it's a teacher's lounge. We are piping in all the audio from the stage. So if your kid needs to burn off some steam, not a problem. We were all kids once, right? Just get up there in service, bring them on in there, and you'll be able to get the entire message from the room um, over in the teacher's lounge. Now, here at uh, Epic, you know, we do a lot of things throughout the year. Uh, it's considered God's work. We like to go out and serve our community and do some things. But we've made a tradition of doing God's work on a global level each summer. And this summer is no different. In fact, we've got two teams that are heading out to Guatemala this year. Uh, one is the beginning of July and one is the end of July. So on January 24th, after each service, we're going to have a meeting about these mission trips. So you can either, you know, we want you to attend the meeting, but if you're in the meantime looking for a little bit more information, go online to our website, which is theepicchurch.com. You can click under the serve tab. It's going to give you some more information about the mission trip. And just with that said, if this is something you're interested in, there is an application that is due February 1st, and the application is detailed. So it's going to take you a little bit of time. So if you're interested, go ahead and get that started as that timeline or that, um, that time deadline comes up. Now, speaking of trips, just so you know, we do have a group of people here from Epic that are heading to Israel tomorrow. That's a big deal. So this week, um, during your regular prayers and stuff, just kind of keep them in, in the back of your mind uh, and just pray for them that they'll experience this trip to the fullest and really take advantage of this opportunity of a lifetime. On your seats, you'll see a little uh, square piece of uh, like a flyer. It's called Winning at Work. This is a men's event that's being hosted by Palm Coast Community Church, but they've put the invite out to several local churches here in Flagler County, and Epic is going to be sending a group of guys over to it. So it's a Friday night, January 29th. It starts at 4.30. There's going to be some games, there's barbecue, some great engaging uh, speakers are going to be there. It's just going to be a really, really good time. Now, 
Some people do have work and they quite can't get there at 4.30, that's understandable. If you can get there for 5.30, even just before six o'clock, there will still be time to eat and there will still be time to hear the communicators. So if you can't get there at 4.30, but you get there for 5.30, maybe a little bit after that, You'll still get there and you'll get every, everything that the, the conference has to offer. There is a $25 cost associated with it. It covers the food and the speakers and everything like that. So hopefully we'll see you there. There will be a um, table in the back. Dave or Rick will be at that table. I'll be there regarding starting point. If you have any questions, see me back there for starting point or Dave or Rick at the same table for any questions regarding the men's event. Now, if you've come into Epic for a while and you call Epic home and uh, you've made that decision in your life to set aside a portion of your finances and help us kind of advance the kingdom of God, we appreciate that. Just remember there's two ways that you can do that here at Epic Church. Once again, you can visit our website, click under the giving tab, and you can give securely online. Or we have giving boxes that are set up behind each of the seating sections on the tables. You can utilize those as well.